0: Good morning, Four Oaks Church. It's Thursday, October 19th. Pastor Paul here, and so glad that you've joined us for this round of our pastoral devotionals. So our practice, of course, is to track with the sermon passage that we're gonna be preaching for that upcoming Sunday, and we are in Matthew chapter 12. So our passage this week is Matthew 12, 15 through 21, and if you haven't been with us so far this week, no problem. We've been talking about the Sabbath, which was kind of a leftover from last week's sermon. But we're we're going to dig in these next two days to Sunday sermon, and it's a short passage, which works in our favor. And um, let's remember the context here. The context is that um, the previous message passage, one through fourteen, in Matthew chapter twelve. Was all about Jesus' confrontation with the religious leaders, the the Pharisees, over the Sabbath. Uh, What was allowed, what was not allowed. And we saw there that Jesus' disciples were picking grain to eat on the Sabbath, that Jesus healed a man in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and that immediately after this, what had become sort of a, a private murmuring, grumbling on the part of the Pharisees becomes a full-blown public conspiracy to have Jesus killed. And that that's where we are in the narrative in the story. And of course, this begins a whole section uh, from here to the end of Matthew of increasing opposition to Jesus, which ultimately ends in his death. But between that sandwiched between all that, we have verses 15 through 21. So so let's read Matthew 12 and try to understand what's happening here. Verse 14, but the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. That's where we left off. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there and many followed him and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench." Until he brings justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. So, here here seems to be the flow of the passage. Because remember, we said one of the the rules of interpretation, so to speak, is to figure out where the passage we're looking at sort of fits into context um, in, in what we're reading, and. Obviously, because Matthew's gospel, when he wrote it, he did not divide into chirp, uh, to chapter and verse divisions. Um, we 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 know this was meant to be read as a long story, as a narrative, as a biography. So, so what's happening here? When you look at the passage right um, before this, which Jesus says they're plotting to kill him, then the passage right after this, where they are accusing Jesus of of really, essentially being the son of Satan, okay? So two oppositional passages. We have this passage uh, sandwiched in the middle. And Matthew um, tells us that that Jesus having withdrawn from this opposition to the Pharisees, and then goes and begins to heal people, that he did this in order to fulfill a particular prophecy. And he quotes from the the, the Old Testament from Isaiah 42. And it's a very, very familiar passage. Um, it, it talks about God's beloved servant, um, which is Jesus, about the, his servant having his spirit um, poured out upon him. The fact that his servant is a suffering servant, Um, But as a suffering servant, not eager to hurt others. In fact, he wants to help them, serve them. He doesn't want to break them or quench them. He is a a servant come to offer rest to the weary. So so here's what I want to do in the short time that we have is to flag four or five things that I think we need to consider as we think about what is happening in this text, okay? And here's the first thing. The first thing that seems to to be happening is that in the midst of the Pharisees declaring their judgment upon Jesus, their evaluation, right, their verdict, um, sandwiched in the middle of all this is God's verdict. who, Who cares what the Pharisees say What does God say about his anointed son? What does God say about Jesus, his messenger? And so ultimately that's where Jesus in his earthly mission derives his identity by his relationship to his father. And so, so one, we have a verdict, um, that the father delivers on behalf of Jesus contra against what the Pharisees are saying. So so that, that's one thing we want to know. Two, to make this point, Matthew doesn't conjure up a an idea about who Jesus is based upon his emotion, based upon his intuitions, based upon um, his feelings, okay? Or 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 some sense of idea of who he thinks Jesus should be. Rather in order to talk about who Jesus really is and who he is in the eyes of the Father, where does Matthew go? Matthew goes to the scriptures. Matthew goes to God's word. He goes all the way back to Isaiah 42. And it's based upon the word of God in the Old Testament that Matthew draws our heart and mind that we might grapple with um, understanding who Jesus really is. Okay. So that, that that's a second, that's a second observation. Um a a third observation might be something like this. Okay, that when we look at verses sixteen, I'm, I'm sorry, eighteen and nineteen, they seem to describe who Jesus is in relationship to us, in other words, what are we to think about Jesus? And, and let's go back and look at this. Behold, Jesus, first of all, is a servant who has been chosen by God. He is beloved um, by God, whom is who is well pleased with His Son. He is someone who has been anointed by God, by his Holy Spirit, to proclaim salvation to the nations. He is also one who does not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. And here he seems to really be talking about this idea that that Jesus is not there in a self-protective posture. Whatever he is doing, he's doing because he is doing the will of his father. Um, When it says that um, he he withdrew from them, away from the opposition, we we obviously know Jesus is not a coward. We know that Jesus is not afraid of dying, right? Um, He's there to die, that's his mission. Um, Rather, there seems to be this idea that everything is in the timing of God, that everything is flowing from God's anointed task for him, and it's simply not his time. And instead of haggling with the Pharisees, it's almost as if Matthew's telling us Jesus has too much to do. He is going about the business of his father, which is why he is healing, what does it say, all the people. So 18 and 19 seem to deal with who Jesus is. On the other hand, verses 19 through 21 deal more with who, excuse me, who we are or who we are in relationship to Jesus, okay? And here in verses 20, 21, he tells us this, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory and in his name the Gentiles will hope. So, who are we in this passage? Well, Jesus, or Isaiah compares us to a reed and a wick. Now, a reed and um, a reed was a very common kind of, of brush growth in the Middle East. In fact, you still see millions of reeds, uh, particularly in marshy wetlands in the Mediterranean. And these reeds were incredibly useful for a variety of things. You could play a flute with them, make them into a flute. You could make them into a writing instrument, an eating utensil, but they're obviously not made of metal or bronze. They're made of wood or fiber, right? And so what would happen um, after you used a reed for a while, it would become soggy or wet or weak. And what you would do is you would throw it away and cut a new reed, okay? By the same token, their um, wicks, candle wicks, or wicks for burning oil in a lamp, were made of flax. And once again, there was a plentiful supply of flax and seed and those sorts of things. And they were made into wicks. You obviously aren't going to light uh, a little thing of oil directly. You're going to light the wick and let it burn down. But after the wick had burned a while and it became short and it began to smoke, what would you do? You would throw that wick out, okay? So who are we? Isaiah says, we're the wick and we're the reeds. And just like them, we are weak. We are low. um, We are tired. We are um, discouraged, brought low. But here's the amazing thing. It says that instead of being thrown out, Jesus keeps us. Jesus perseveres with us. He does not break the reed. He does not quench the wick. In fact, he works to bring us glory, to victory, to give us hope, okay? So so here's the way this passage is structured. First of all, it tells us who G- Jesus is, in relationship to us. And then the last two verses, who we are in relationship to Jesus. And this is the way the passage is structured. And so what what we're going to do tomorrow is sort of bring all of these thoughts together to help us understand this idea that in in a that Jesus is not this to everyone, okay? I mean, doesn't mean he's not who he is. But not everyone receives Jesus in this way. Not everyone receives him as servant. Not everyone receives him as savior. Not, not everybody receives him as substitutionary atonement. Which means they won't experience him like a bruised reed, okay? Or a smoldering wick. It's to them that Jesus brings judgment. It's to them that Jesus brings a righteous judgment. That's again, one of the things that we see in Matthew. And so we are given here, we are presented here um, with a beautiful portrait of Jesus, which reflects who Jesus is to us, and then who we are to Him, if we will only acknowledge Him, if we will only receive Him as He is given Himself. So, so there, there, there's so many um, applications and, and um, trajectories that we can build off of this. But I, I wanted just to kind of give you this in the condensed Cliff Notes version so that you could be thinking about this for yourself. Who is Jesus for you? And that in many ways determines um, who you are to Jesus. And so we're gonna pick it back up at that place tomorrow. All right, Lord Jesus, um, we're just wicks, we're just reeds, we're, we're low, we're broken. But Lord, when we seek you out as Savior, you will in no way cast us out. You will not snuff us. You will not not throw us away. Um, so Lord, open our eyes to your beauty as the suffering servant who has laid his life down for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Tomorrow will be our last devotional of the week. We'll bring all of these thoughts, these three or four or five thoughts that we share today together and sort of build out from that. So what then for us as the people of God? All right, that's tomorrow. See you then. Have a great day.